I remember like being on the block with my boys, right? And I told them this. And they're like, dude, you exaggerate. And I'm like, no, man. When I got to the projects, I really felt like I moved on up like the Jeffersons. And they're like, what that mean? I said, look, man, I'm from a place called Haiti. Electricity? Nah, man, we had, that, we had them lamps. And I remember the lamp done run out of oil. They got to go get that oil. We had that oil lamp. And when we ran out the oil lamp, then we had like the, the, the candle. And if my daughter listened and she like, oh man, there go my daddy with the donkey story again. He gonna tell everybody he done went from a donkey to a Ferrari. No, I'm gonna tell y'all something better. I'm standing there in the hut with my grandma and a car pulls up. I ain't never seen no car in my life. So you can imagine to a little kid, it looks like a UFO. Dude gets out the car. First time in my life, I seen a white man. Now, the reason why I'm saying like white man, think of it like the Indians, because that's just how we talk. We'd be like, Le Blanc, you know? So, um, so the white man goes in the back of the UFO, and he pulls this bag of rice. And I see him bringing it towards my grandma. And I'm standing there with my grandma, like holding her hand tight, like, and I say, Grandma, who is this? And my grandma says, C'est Jésus Christ, Translation, my grandma said, that's Jesus Christ. So, when my grandma said that's Jesus Christ, so Jesus Christ now, he done bring us the rice. And so when Jesus brings us the rice, now, few years later, keep in mind, I'm in a hut in Haiti, place called Croix de Bouquet, Le Serre. My daddy and him, um, so the immigration laws in America, they wasn't as ruthless as they are now. So he had two kids in America in Brooklyn became citizens and came back to Haiti to get me and my brother. Can you imagine me and my brother getting to the airport for the first time? We, we don't even know. So can you imagine what the airplanes look? Now we see a lot of UFOs. And I remember glaring in my daddy's face like, yo, this is my first time seeing my father. My dad left me at one. I'm like 10 and I'm seeing my dad I just could recognize him and my mama, and they put us on this airplane. First time I'm on an airplane, I'm sitting next to my brother. Then we see more white people. This time it even gets confusing because they all wearing the same uniforms. And we can't speak English, so it sounds like Martian language. And my little brother looks at me and he goes, Clef. Who's these people? I said, you, are you stupid? These are Jesus Christ cousins. Let's get into it. Lena, wait, yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, tune in. Tune in, tune in, 
New York Times said, she said, I wanted to humanize them and show that their lives are valid, yeah. But I don't paint us in a perfect light at all. Why? My hope is that I can show us in the artist's way. Lena. That's your intro. Yo, What's that's good? That's amazing. <laughs> Can I have that every day? <laughs> every day. I'll every send day. You. <laughs> Could I wake up? Please. I'll, I'll send it to you. Man, I miss you. I try to I send you an email every month, like just one. I'd be like, yo, check this artist out. Listen to this music. <laughs> I always hit you right back. I'm always like, what up? I know. Creative, creative. Well, first of all, um, when I was asked to do this, I was inspired by a show in London called Jews Holland. Hmm. And in the show, it was like a music show where he basically discovered talent around the world. Wow. And what's dope about the talent, it's like really undiscovered and untapped. So I was inspired by that and wanted to do a show because I feel like history has to paint a certain picture and the literature has to write a certain way. And so you are one of those, to me, you know, as someone who, you know, believe in sacrificing my entire existence for my country. Right. When I, when I watch you, um, I'm amazed. I'm amazed by a few things. I'm amazed by the fact of the struggle of the strength. Um, and when I saw you and I had a brief conversation mm -hmm. and you saw the respect I have for you looking into your eyes, right? Mm -hmm. um, because it's like I could see like you're one of them, you know what mm. I mean? And when I say one of them, like, you know, when we see Nina Simone, it's wow. one of them. Wow, um, wow, wow. Right? The idea of how do we trick the devil, right? Mm. How do we trick the devil? and we convince the people to go in our direction, right? Yeah. And lead them there. So the way that we do that is through art, right? Mm -hmm. And so you paint these messages and we decode them. It's so important for you to know that. And we so appreciate you. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to start off by saying that. And when people be, when people like, we was just talking off camera. I mean, we'll definitely get into it mm -hmm. with Whitney, but when people be like, yo, why Clef? What's the best, what's the most interesting part about your life thus far? Mm. And I said, well, you know, probably my first 12 years. Because I said, you see, the first 12 years, it's gonna take me to a space and start to define what it's gonna be. So I'd like to, to for you to take, take me there. Like, what was the first, like, what's the beginning vibes, you know? Ooh. Um, well, everything really starts, for me, with Chicago, you know? And I think that's, for you, you know your country. You know from whence you, where you, where you came. I don't know yet. I'm still doing the, the DNA thing. <laughs> I'm gonna figure it out. <laughs> but for me, my country is Chicago. There's a reason why I think Black people hug our blocks and why we rep our, our cities because we don't, a lot of us don't know how we got there. And so I'm very tapped into and very respectful of the ancestors 
because I know that mm -hmm. they, their strength, their sacrifice is why we get to exist. So for me, that really is where everything begins. Chicago is like my country. And it, it has such it has so much to do with who I am, how I walk through the world, how I see things. And, and then the, the other part of the beginning is my womanness, my blackness, my queerness. All those things are things that I was, was hyper aware of even as a young person. And I knew that I gravitated toward television. I knew I gravitated toward film. And I knew I liked to read a lot. I liked to read and I liked to write. And so I leaned into those things. I leaned into those, those, those gifts. And, and so that was really the beginning for me as a young person realizing, oh, this is what my purpose is. This is what my calling is. And then when I got to Los Angeles, the beginning, I call it, it's so funny, people always talk about, talk to us about the struggle, but I think of it more of a journey. Like where I am now is such a small part of my journey, even though someone could say, well, you've used a lot of this time pretty wisely. Like I've, I've sold some shows, I've made a movie, I've, I've been in a movie, I've been in a Spielberg movie, I've won an Emmy, I've been on the cover of Vanity Fair. And I think people can look at those things and say, oh, okay. We can pinpoint certain things in your journey that we can look to and see success. But to me, the success is in, is really in the dark moments, as you know. It's in those moments before mm -hmm. people are paying attention. It's in those moments before people respect me. It's my beginning is being dismissed, is being ignored, is not being listened to. Because in those moments, I'm forced to really figure out who I am. You know, uh, like I wrote Queen and Slim while feeling powerless on the shy. Uh, and being in a Spielberg movie gave me this sort of gold ticket in Hollywood, or, or then winning an mm -hmm. Emmy gave me another one. And so that's really what the beginning has always been for me, is a journey to better understand who I am as a person, as an artist, as an activist. And I still feel like I'm only at the beginning, even though that may seem odd because of where I am in my career, but mm -hmm. I really haven't even scratched the surface yet, in my opinion. Facts, like we would say as a rapper, facts. <laughs> facts. Yo, facts. you know what? So it's deep, I, I remember high school for me, mm -hmm. early days. I have this song where I say, like, you know, it's funny we ain't even make the yearbook pick, right? Mm. So so my, my high school, I just remember, I, I was like considered like this weird rapper. I'm sure. I'm sure you must have been an interesting character at high school. Right. <laughs> I, I, I show up with a trench coat and I got my hat, you know, my derby hat. You know, my boys got their bubble goose on, scullied up. They're like, oh yo, Clef, man, what's this fit? I said, you know, I'm listening to this dude called Boy George. They're like, what? Wow. I'm like, dog, check this song out. And I played them, do you really want to hurt me? They're like, yo, this song is dope, bro, but do he dress like that? I said, yeah, I'm gonna be going to London one day. They looked at me like, this nigga crazy, wow. right? And it's so crazy, right? So high school, I would time travel all the time, right? And watching you as a creative, um, what was your like 
Did you time travel in high school? Did you go, what was your high school days like? Yeah, I wasn't as eccentric, I think, as you, but, uh-huh. but I was very much a tomboy. I was very much myself. Mm-hmm. I mean, I always joke around and say, how do people not know I was, I was, I was a lesbian? I'm walking around looking like DeBrat. Mm-hmm. Because, like, that mm-hmm. was the, the thing, you know, at that yeah. time. But also, it was also cool for in music, whether it be like TLC, Escape, DeBrat, like, a lot yeah. of women wore men's clothing and it was just wasn't yeah. a big deal and so i felt very comfortable in that way a lot of like i wasn't wearing like the the the, the baggy fubu stuff and and yeah. being yeah. very you know with the swag and, and whatnot and so there was always that people kind of like oh here come lena the tomboy but i was always very much a jokester for sure always telling stories and always making people laugh so there was that but i definitely dreamed a lot I dreamed a ton, yeah. and I would put the headphones on and just go somewhere else. And also, here's a crazy thing now, think about high school. Yeah. I remember the night Holly Berry and Denzel won the Oscars for Best Lead Actor and Actress in a Motion Picture. It was very moving for me. It was very emotional for me as a young person, obviously being obsessed with like film and TV. And so I, the next day, I had to go to school, and I wrote on a T-shirt uh, Holly Berry and Denzel made history last night. And I wore that mm-hmm. to, I wore it to school the next day. Wow. So That's and, amazing. And I think I was lucky. I think, you know, I don't know if... Maybe kids probably like, this girl is like so obsessed with this stuff. But and now uh-huh. I'm like friendly with Holly Berry. You know, we, we go back and forth. We yeah. tell we produce something together. And so I really do believe it's so cliche. But yeah. what you speak about, you bring about. And I think... What happens is I try to tell people to be careful of the narrative you give yourself. Mm-hmm. Because some people say, you know, like when people meet, I'm sure you get this too, when people meet me like, hi, you know, hi Lena, so good to meet you. And I say, well, what's your name? What do you do? And they'll mm-hmm. say, oh, I'm nobody. Or, mm-hmm. oh, I'm not, mm-hmm. it, I, it doesn't matter. And I say, well, no, what is your name? Exactly. You are someone. Just because you don't live your life in front of people doesn't make your life any less valid than mine. And yes. so I think to me, I'm very aware of people's narratives. You know, they're, like, there are yeah. people you meet in life who are always waiting for the shoe to drop. Well, guess what? The shoe's gonna yeah. drop. You meet people in life right. who are always like, I'm an aspiring musician. I'm trying to be an actor. Well, then you're always gonna be aspiring. You're always gonna be trying to be. That's right. At some point, you gotta step in it and you gotta do it. Like, like a, a friend of mine, we just made her film the 40-year-old version, spelled V-E-R-S-I-O-N. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, it's all it's shot in black and white, Harlem, like crazy. Like, first, yeah. she's in her 40s, first-time filmmaker. We, I helped pay for the movie, helped produce it, went to Sundance. She became the second black woman ever win Best Director at Sundance. Her and Ava wow. hold the title. So I felt very proud to have been a part of making that Amazing. movie when no one else would, which is, like, classic. Yeah. And what I had to say to her is, because her whole, obviously, she's in her 40s, this is her first, you know, this is her mm-hmm. film debut. She directed it, she starred in it, she wrote it. And um, her name is Rada Blank. She's amazing. She's also an MC. Um, she goes by Rada Miss Prime. And so, oh yeah, you know I'm gonna I'm get into that right after on. this interview. Dude, you, you got to. She's amazing. You know that. She's brilliant. And so um, she she had to change her narrative. She went from always trying to get her movie made to she's now a filmmaker, and now she's an award-winning filmmaker. 
And, and I can see the shift in growth in her where it's like, oh, okay, well now I have to turn the page because now this is the path I'm on. And I think to me, that's my mission is not only changing the narrative about black people, but also being honest about our narrative too. Uh, but I hope that I can convince people to change the narrative in their own lives. Wow, amazing, man. Um, so my stomach was dying. I was with my daughter, she's 15, with my wife. I think it was called Black as Fuck. Yes, yes. So you, you it, I don't, how do y'all do this? Like, it's so amazing, because I know y'all wanted to die laughing. Of course. Um, which, it was, yo, y'all really went in. And I'm speaking mm -hmm. to someone, so my theater background, when I was 16 years old, I was in a play called Club 12. It was a Shakespearean story of the Malvolio, the Club 12, Malvolio, Sebastian, Olivia. Mm -hmm. It was actually a hip hop play. Wow. And I had wrote all the music for the play. I think wow. Quincy Jones came to say when I was 17. What? Um, so wow. this is what's crazy when I see you, if I look at you a certain way. Okay, I was in the play, MC Light was in the play. Darren, who became a big super choreographer on, he was in the play. Lauren Hill was in the play. Lisa Carson was in the play. Oh, it was like what? this amazing thing that we did. And everybody um, from the play just came out to be like these um, amazing superheroes, right? Mm -hmm. And then now you're gonna choose the path, right? Because even though, you know, we acting, trying to off-Broadway thing, but we're singers, we're musicians. And some of us land on the acting side, some mm -hmm. land on the director side, right. some land on the artist side. But at the end of the day, we all really are artists, like we're creators. Right. So when I was watching y'all on that show, <laughs> I just was like, I didn't know how, how y'all didn't laugh, man. It was so incredible. I mean, and I, you were so dead ass serious. Oh yeah, I can I was do that. Like, I can oh lock in. But like, I remember yeah. Kenya rallying the troops, you know, per se, for mm -hmm. that episode, which was not an easy task to get yeah. all of us. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I saw it. all of y'all. I was like, yeah. And and um and I think he always Kenya is very sweet. He always you know credits yeah. me because he says you were the he said I was the first person to say yes. And I think I'm yeah. very anybody know I always joke I'm like the flavor flavor of like you know writers. I'm always like let's go, let's do it, let's let's yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. And so yeah. and I was like yeah yeah I'm down. And then obviously he got Ava and he got Will Packer and all kind of stuff and Issa and the whole the whole crew. And it was very powerful. I saw so many because you know on Instagram people they take pictures yeah. of the TV screen and. And post it, yeah. and I saw yeah. so much, so many screen grabs of that that image of all of us on, you know, on yeah. the, the Zoom. Powerful. And, and, and yeah, and I didn't even realize because obviously we all did those by ourselves. So yeah, it was powerful for me too when I saw the finished product and just to see how much how much weight we can bring and what this new class, what this generation is doing. And you're right, you know, we really are we're someone's ancestors right now. We are at the beginning for someone, and I think that's you know, this is the the there's a revolution every generation, and this is what yeah. ours looks like. And you know, I think it was it was funny and silly, and and I like that that Kenya, because he talked to me about this privately. He's like, we as black artists, you know, we don't always love everything that we do, and and he's like, and we need to own that. And I think we sometimes as black as a black artist community can sometimes feel guilty about it because we don't have we're still fighting to have the the accurate representation uh, in, in the music industry and in, in the film in the, in the, in the uh, TV industry. We're still fighting 
to, to feel seen. And so I think that's why it is difficult for us to take jabs at each other um, yeah. in the press, even though every now and then sometimes you'll see some stuff go down. Like um, I remember when Tyler and Spike were not, you know, friend, friendly. Mm, but I yeah. think that, but they've now since become friendly. And, and I think that is what, I think where we are as a community is that it's better for us to, to talk to each other, to build with each other, and to be honest with each other, even if it is in private sometimes. Um, but that episode is so powerful, and I was really honored to be a part of it. Well, when I looked at it, I saw power, you know? I saw economic freedom. Yeah, me too. I saw, yep. yo, if, if we could translate that to the new generation, Chicago, Detroit, yep. all yep. over, so... Yeah. I definitely commend you on that. Now, check this out. Why Clef don't do no interviews? I don't even know what that is. I feel good. I, I feel like talk. you asked really great conversations. I'm like, this is the best all I do. Ever. I said, I said, look, all we're gonna do is talk. But you're you're very hard to surprise. So I bought a few surprises for you. Oh right? snap. Oh yeah, yeah. Cause you know we talked. Like you right. ain't even ready. But I know. <laughs> You love Whitney Houston. Of like, course, I got her signature right here. I, I oh, know, I know how much with love. I know how much you love Whitney. Um, and I was speaking to Clive. You know, we had great conversations about Whitney. I had a good time with Whitney, Bobby, everybody. So, like, I was really inside of that family. Mm -hmm. Like when I tell yeah. you, like, meaning in the culture with them for a very short time. And it felt like we known each other like a hundred years. Right. So, now, one night, I was in the studio with Whitney. So you asked me what that was like. So this is it. So, um, I always like, when, when, I, when, I, when I speak of Whitney and I say her daughter, the reason why I say her daughter and not a name, that's how she always looked at her my little girl, my daughter, right? So I'm in the studio and you can imagine, so I wrote this song, this song that goes, my love is your love and your love is my love. It will take it, right? So first of all, I write this song and I'm nervous, like Great is Whitney song. gonna like this song? Is Iconic Whitney gonna song. like this song? Right? And mm -hmm. I, I get in the studio with her and before going in, you know, they're like, yo, man, Whitney gonna be there. Bobby Brown gonna be there. Right, you know, right. You know how it goes. Like, <laughs> you, and you know Clive, right? So right. you gotta deliver the record, bro. Do not leave without this record. Okay. So you know, like, you know, as, as a composer, producer, you have your task. It's to take the rocket up no matter what. So you go in there and she's in there and we connect like Jersey. And I start to, she's in the booth. Every take she did, I saved. But while she was doing that, I noticed her daughter in the back says, sing, mommy. Mm. While Whitney's in the booth, right? I don't even tell Whitney what I'm doing. I take another microphone. And I said, what did you just tell your mama? Wow. And she said, sing, mommy. And I sampled it, right? And I held it on. I ain't even tell Whitney. So. Whitney's killing the song. Obviously. And <laughs> while she's murdering this song, um, <laughs> so me and Bobby Brown knew this secret when we did it, you know? Right. And years later, I talked about it because me, 
Bobby Brown literally was, when it comes to R&B and his voice and the way he portrayed it, I was amazed by that dude. You know what I'm saying? I even wanted to dance like Bobby. I had my hair at the time. And I said, Bobby, you want to go in there and sing some backgrounds for me? Bobby goes in there. And now, so whenever anyone listens to My Love's Your Love, all right, I want y'all to pay attention. Y'all gonna hear, sing, Bobby. And then you'll know that story. And the male voices that you hear in the back is Bobby Brown. And I tucked him in the back like a Marvin Gaye record. You know how Marvin would space a lot of his vocals. Yeah. So I tucked that because I didn't really want a movie with Clive, you know what I'm saying? Like, right. I just wanted, I didn't want the record to be prejudged before playing it, you get me? Mm -hmm. So um, they heard the record and the record was amazing. Few days ago, few days later, I'm on my way to Jamaica to do a big dance hall, clash, sound system. I'ma be in Jamaica, DJ Khaled's gonna be in Jamaica. This back in the days, we have a big DJ competition and it's called like Sound Boy Competition. So you literally go there, you're challenging the next Sound Boys. My crew from Japan, Mighty Crown is there. So I say, how am I gonna kill these sound systems? I said, Whitney, I need you to do me a favor. I need you to do a dub plate for me. She was like, baby, what the fuck is a dub plate, right? And I said, okay. <laughs> so I said, so what it is is, you know how when people be doing drops for the DJs, mm -hmm. I said, it's the same way, but versus like you just doing a drop, you're gonna talk about how great my sound system is. And if anybody comes to get us, they will not survive. And I say, in the middle of Jamaica, I am going to play this dub plate. And after I play this, nobody else will be able to play. So when I played this dub plate, we heard the sound of lightning and thunder. I'm going to play you a Whitney Houston vocal that no one can ever play but me. And I'm gonna share with you just a raw vocal of what she did for me that night. Check this out. Hey yo, this is Whitney Houston. Yes, massive. This is the original vocalist. I like to say rest in peace to Dennis Brown. If tomorrow is judgment day, and I'm standing on the front line, and the Lord asked me what I did with my life, I would say, why club murder the sound boy? <laughs> If I wake up in World War III I see destruction and poverty And I feel like I wanna go home It's okay as long as Wyclef is with me My love is your dub and your dub is my dub it will take an eternity to break us And the chains of our start couldn't hold us My sound is your sound Cause the refugee sound is the only sound It will take an eternity to break us And a million sound boys will die before us Behind y'all, it's alright Wow okay. You hear a little chuckle at the end Yes so, 
So I know what that means to you. I just, you got when me. I say you. Damn. Yeah, but I know you though. I saw you, I, I understand the art and where you come from. So she chuckles at the end. And cause she's just like, you crazy nigga. Yes. And <laughs> she, she does this and that night in Jamaica. So when you ask me, how did it feel like being in the studio with her and, and what kind of, it just felt like, I don't know what no angel really look like because they say if you get close to an angel that you get burnt to death. That's how hot they are. They always on fire. Yeah. And I think the closest person I met to an angel was the late great Whitney Houston. Wow. Um, in every way, in every fashion. And I, I share that with you like as this brother-sister vibe. You know Absolutely. what I'm saying? No, I, I received that and I appreciate you sharing that with me. That's a gift. I'll hold on to for the rest of my life. And I just appreciate you for making her so eternal, I think, because <clears throat> that song, in a way, was pro uh, prolific, you know? It almost, to me, I think a lot of people obviously think about I Will Always Love You. Yes. Um, but My Love Is Your Love, I think is so representative as to how she lived her life. And I mean, like literally the reason why I got on the back of one of her, her uh, albums, she signed with Love Whitney. And so in that I lifted and got that tattooed. And it's a reminder that everything I do in this life, I should do it with love. And because I think that's how she lived. She did things with love. And also you, you know, you immortalized her daughter who, you yeah, know, bless up, you yeah. know, our, yes. they rest in power. And, yeah. you know, what other producer would hear her, her little kid say, sing mommy and go, oh, wait, I got to, that has to be a part yeah. of this. Because yeah. Bobby Christina was so much a part of who she yes. was. And then yeah, I, and I had Christina no idea was. that Bobby did background vocals on that. I definitely didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. So, I know I was going to get you. I had yeah. no idea. Because I, I pay attention sometimes. I'm like, mm, who does that I sound know. like? And I, and I just felt like, and that video was so beautiful. And mm. and um, and I also know we were talking about Robin. That Robin apparently was very instrumental in that album and how yes. things you know were presented and how they rolled out. And I remember being very impressed by that album rollout because yeah. it could have hit cheesy. It could have felt like, oh, this is a woman yeah. who came from the '80s who is still trying to be current. But it wasn't. It was so cool. Like having you, Missy. I think Lauren did a record. Um, yeah, it, was it was so like just. Yeah. Beautiful and effortless, but that song, to me, out of all the tracks, was just so, so. Um, she was so connected to it, and and yeah. and and hearing hearing that now that she's gone. Whenever I hear that song in particular, um, it's just so beautifully done. So, kudos to you for really paying attention to who she was and putting it on on, on vinyl for us to have forever. Yep, Jersey. Jersey, so, <laughs> Jersey, um, Jersey go hard. Jersey go hard. So I got one more surprise for you. Okay, damn, I'm gonna top that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but so when we was talking, I looked at you and I was like, you know I could score your movies, right? I said, yo, I'm trying to be the next young Zimmer, Quincy Jones. This is Let's me, go. this little Haitian dude. 
and you like, man, we so need you. Like, yo. So when I was young, I had a gift. The gift was when I can see an image, mm -hmm. I would turn the TV silently. Hmm. Look at the image, and then I would paint my score of the emotion that I saw. So I said, what happened if I showed you how I felt when I saw Queen and Slim? Wow. What happens if I take a scene and turn the volume down oh, and pick up my guitar <laughs> and just pick up the guitar and show you how much you are appreciated. This is me just taking one of your scenes from Queen and oh, Slim and going in. Oh, no, just, here we go. Can I be your legacy? You already are. <laughs> Jesus. Well, now we got to do an alternate, you know, <laughs> score thing. I got to show it to Melina. I got to send that to Melina and be like, whoa, wow. <laughs> you know what, actually, wow, that was beautiful. One, thank you for that. Thank you for sharing my, your gifts. My, to you, though, this is me. I can't reach over there to you, so I'm sending you the guitar vibration. You know? I feel them. And I'm it good. felt like, it felt like, because that's how, you know, like movies used to feel. Like in the 90s, you know how we watched those movies and that's how it would sound. And I think obviously Melina was trying to play with something and make it feel more futuristic. So it felt more now. But I think what you did was you, cause that I grew up on the 90s. So I remember watching, you know, Boys in the Hood and Do the Right Thing and yeah. Society. And that was so stunning. Cause I wouldn't have ever thought to even put a guitar there, but there's something, cause guitars cry. Yeah. And so, so that's this, why it yeah, feels yeah. like you're crying over the over the, the celluloid. That was beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And and this the original score, insanely inspirational and amazing. I wouldn't be able to have done that without understanding mm -hmm. that. So that's my way Dev of Dev Hines, shout out to Dev Hines, yeah. Dev Hines genius. So Next as as I as I send you on your way until I see you again, mm -hmm. um, in, the, in the climate of the world that we in, 
And what is it? Because it, it clearly feels like the country is divided. Um, and it feels like that we are in a situation of panic, but at the same time, you can feel justice and you can feel possibility for reforms mm -hmm. in a totally different way. Mm -hmm. So what, what words would you like to, to, to leave us with as a young leader? That hope is a luxury. Hope is a luxury, but it's one we can't afford not to have. That's the only thing that's gonna keep us alive. Because when you think about our ancestors, which is where we began, that's all they really had was hope. And that's what we are. We are what they hoped for. We're living the lives that they couldn't. And generations after us will live lives that we could have never imagined. But we have to keep that hope alive. Because without it, we become pessimists. And we, we cannot afford that. I'm always, always going to be hopeful about this nation because if we can go from property to president, I think that we can go even further than that. And we haven't overcome yet. But I believe Martin Luther King Jr. when he says he, he saw the promised land. He saw it. And we aren't there yet. But I think if we continue to look at each other and see ourselves, we can get there a little bit faster. I so, so appreciate you. I love you. Sending I love you a you. virtual kiss. I love till you, I really. See you. And, um, and I really thank you, and thank you for inspiring us, and I will see you soon. I can't wait to see you, man. And I can't wait to work love with you. Love you, mother. I love you. you thank you. You already know. Thank you for Love this. you so much. Love thank you, you my love. All right, I'm going to put y'all on. Strange Fruits, Billie Holiday. I call Hannah Iggins, young body, old soul. I've heard covers of Strange Fruits. People, I promise you, I am putting you on right now. Hannah Iggins. Southern trees. Bearing strange fruits. Blood on the leaves And blood at the roots Black bodies swinging in the southern
So when I heard this, I was like, okay, which part of the South is she from? Because I was like digging into it. I was like, okay, I know it's an area then. Then, uh, then I saw Bermuda. And I was like, wow. So the versatility of this artist, Hannah Iggins, is what I think that will bring a form of like longevity. Um, so Strange Fruit is one. There's another one I heard called I Can't Breathe. But let's start off with Strange Fruit, because for me, Billie Holiday, that's sacred. Like, you don't touch that. You don't go there, man. You don't go there, man. Don't go there with Billie Holiday. That's sort of like the Fuji's killing me softly. You don't go there unless you go, you know, or me, Bar Marley cover. Are you sure you want to go there? And Hannah Iggins went there. Strange Fruit. Put your new on. All right, y'all, we about to get into it, but before we do, we um, want to thank Lena Way. That was special. And now we about to get into it with Madeline Nelson. Now, let me let y'all know something. She's definitely validated, so I ain't gonna talk much about her, but let me tell y'all. Y'all know me, I always say, I don't do interviews, I have conversation. So, short story about Madeline Nelson. I promise I won't be long-winded. But, yo, y'all ever heard of like the Apollo Theater? Okay, so the Apollo Theater, yo, James Brown, right? One of the illest and when I tell you James Brown is ill, I'm talking about <clears throat> Michael Jackson was looking up to James Brown. Didn't James Brown throw something in the audience one time at the Apollo Theater and they threw it right back at him? You ever heard that? Oh, and I see, I don't, yes, that, that I don't happened. Just, I just want to show you how ruthless the Apollo Theater, like they don't play. And Madeline Nelson was an intern at the Apollo Theater and her job was for the culture. She had to book everybody um, and she, so she literally was the pulse of the street. She had to bring back what was hot. So she booked the Fugees. Like, ain't nobody knew who the Fugees, Biggie Smalls, right? Yeah. So that definitely validates Run That Back. So let's get into it, Maddie. I have a feeling we might only get into this one topic today because I'm going to jump from what I love, what's happening in pop culture, to something that you love, what's happening in politics. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So recently... I mean, I love politics. I love studying, you know? Yeah. Um, so my daddy was a minister. My political savviness probably comes from my uncle Raymond Joseph, mm -hmm. who was the ambassador for the U.S. And him and my uncle has the... Let's just say, like, the, the French version of what is considered like the New York Times. It's called IET Observateur. So you're raised with that stuff, like it's embedded in you. So yeah. um, that's sort of like my love. So my friends are probably like, no, man, we don't do politics, man. Politic is politics. But at the same time, it's important to be aware of what the hell's going on. You know what I mean? I agree. I agree. So recently, presidential candidate Joe Biden finally selected a vice presidential candidate. This 
makes me, as a black woman, feel extremely proud. He, he selected Kamala Harris. I can remember when I was not a supporter of Kamala Harris. I, like many other people, took offense to some of her history with criminal justice. Um, and I never got educated on her stand in recent years and the things that she's done in recent years. So I wasn't caught up. And even when she was a, a candidate for president, I said to many people, I'm not a supporter. And those were my reasons why. But then people started to educate me. People started to educate me on her career from the beginning all the way up to now and the things that have changed and the things that would make you as a voter change perspective about her. Uh, so this, this I was very excited about. And one friend in particular, somebody who's a friend of yours as well, Nathan, who works with the Alliance for Safety and Justice, schooled me on her support with Alliance for Safety and Justice and what they do for inmates who come home and have to now find their way in, in society. And even what they do for those who are still in prison. And we've even done some work with Alliance for Safety and Justice. So understanding her allegiance to them was a big deal to me. And so right now, I, I am extremely excited about the idea that there could be a black woman in the White House in January of 2021. But again, this is your space. When it comes to our conversations, this is no, a space I mean, I where I don't that. know no, enough. I think, I think it's, but look, I mean, you know, you know a lot. Come on, Professor Small's daughter, don't try to play me out here. <laughs> um, you know a lot, um, but what I am gonna say is, it's in my family, we have Democrats, mm -hmm. Republicans, mm -hmm. Independents, and you know, you also have like socialists. Mm -hmm. I'm from Haiti, next to Cuba. So there is the debate which happens is, it, it can get vicious, right? right? Because, I mean, the other day, um, you know, someone in the family who is, um, you know, a friend of the family, he got into a big debate about Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. um, and he was on the side of Trump. And he was going against um, a, my brother, one of my brothers, who was a debater, Sadek. And they were going back and forth. Like when I tell you it got intense, it got vicious, right? But this is what the Constitution is really based on. Mm -hmm. Like you have to, the problem is, we not against the debates. Like you are supposed to, not everybody gonna be on the right, not everybody gonna be in the left, not everybody gonna be in the center. So my show is a show that welcomes mm -hmm. the platform for everybody. I don't want anybody to think like, I'm trying to sway your vote anyway. The mm -hmm. bottom line is you have to vote because when you look at, and don't be like, yo man, is my vote gonna count? Dude, all you gotta do is look at Martin Luther King. Look how he was, that legislation, you know what I'm saying to you? Yes, your vote's gonna count. People has, 
You know, look at bro Brother Lewis, who, who just passed. Yes, it's going to count. But to your point, the reason why I started off like that is because the idea of a woman is very historic. Mm -hmm. And the idea of just period. So at the end of the day, um, I understand reform. And if you follow the way politics work, mm -hmm. there's people that you can go back in their history, right? Because I'm gonna give you the real talk. So remember when she was debating with Joe Biden. Yeah. And remember that was a moment. She closed Joe Biden in with that moment. The bus segregation moment, y'all remember that? She closed them in with that. Mm -hmm. Like, Biden had to like, you know, like adjust the shoulders a little bit, right? And she's like, I don't really come to play here. I come to handle <laughs> business. Um, so now you say, but hold up. He chooses her, right? Mm -hmm. This is what I keep telling you. Don't tell me y'all not gonna get into politics. Y'all gonna get fucked up, then this is what happens. And you don't wanna like, you, you don't wanna have like where your debate is so deep that you are not even willing to change policies right. or you're not willing to, to, to go with reform or with different things. So I think this is what makes the Constitution dope. You gotta be willing to constantly keep evolving. Right. So I literally feel that as we are evolving, at the same time, we're going backwards. And the reason why we're going backwards is people don't want us to evolve. Like, mm -hmm. look at President Obama, for example. Now, once again, I'm telling you again, on my, in my house, you got people that's for Obama, you got people that's not for Obama, right? I'm just showing you how it works, right? But y'all already know I'm for Obama, but I'm just saying, right? So, um, so, right, so, but look at President Obama, look at Michelle. Incredible documentary, right. by the way. So, but, the White House gets, changes colors, mm -hmm. remember? Mm -hmm. And the White House changes colors, right? And as the White House changes colors, we all celebrate pride, right? Right. Think about that, right? But I want to take you back 30 years ago. Did people even think, as much as people was fighting to get equal rights in different situations, that this was going to happen? No, people had to constantly keep fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting until it happened, right? That's right. So at the end of the day, this is why your vote is important. And the excitement for a, a woman. I have a daughter, she's 15. And this is the example that I would definitely um, like to set on her end. So very excited. At the same time, this is why I clapped. This is why I knew we was only going to have one topic. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, 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 I'm a okay, I'm going to close. He's like, ooh, no, no, we're gonna have another topic. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm going to close it off by just saying um, it's important that, um, that we keep our eyes on the ball mm -hmm. and that everyone do not get distracted. And I always say to everybody, Sometimes I feel that you are putting too much, uh, I think the word in English is called emphasism. Is that a word? Like you, you too emphasize. Much emphasis. Too much emphasis. Too, you're putting like too mm -hmm. much emphasis mm -hmm. on 
a president. And what does that mean? That emphasis, you should be putting it more in the house. And what that means is, presidents are gonna come, they're gonna go, yeah. other president. But if you could just, just do me a favor, y'all watch a little bit of C-SPAN, because then you'll understand how the floor works. And it's so important that when you talk about reform and the things that you want changed, um, it's important that you look at who your senators are, who your governors are, who your mayors are, who your councilmen is. Okay, I'm done. I ain't gonna really say anything <laughs> no more, you know what I'm saying? Uh, we good. Listen, I, I loved getting into that, and I knew that that was gonna be an exciting topic for you. But if Joe Biden needs some boom bap, I got some boom bap for him. That sounded like a promotion. No, not at all. It's some ganja. Mom, <laughs> <laughs> the ganja for your money. Boom bap by <laughs> White Club. Every time I make a run, girl, you turn around and cry. I ask myself, why, oh, why? It's what I call the acoustic segment. This is just how I write music, you know what I mean? I remember being on the Dave Chappelle show, and I was just catching a vibe on the side. I was like, if I was president, I'll get elected on Friday, assassinated on Saturday. Buried on Sunday, then on Monday, everybody goes back to work, yeah, I, like nothing happened. It's just an ordinary day. But I could be the president, and you could be the president, and she could be the president. If I was president, if I was the president, Donald Trump. Said he ready for the competition. Joe Biden says he wanna put up a competition. I was smoking weed with Bernie Sanders. He said I won the competition, yeah. Vote for me, AI. Vote for me, yeah. Why clef for president? AI. Mm. A man said he gon' build a wall, have Mexico pay for it all. Call up my Mexican friends, they say, Wyclef, we ain't gon' pay for shit. There's a riot every week, and the people on the street, everybody living on the edge, you could be the next. Kamala says she ready for competition. Boring pence, wanna put up a competition, yeah. I was smoking grass with Bernie, yeah. He ain't in the competition, yeah. Vote for me, yeah. Vote for me, yeah. Why clef for president? You already know how I ended off with a toast. This toast is to Lena Way continued success. And don't forget, I'm your Quincy Jones, ready to work for you. Love you. Toast to you.